find yourself here again. Well, I'm sorry that Brother Israel couldn't be here this morning. You will have to put up with me for just a moment. We'll be in Romans chapter 7 this morning. Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> this is a list of verses in the Bible that have uh, given me turmoil over the years as far as just reading. Because, you know, it's not the easiest thing to read through. Get tongue-tied tongue just like I just did. Uh, but we'll start in verse 14 and uh, we'll try to unpack exactly what Paul was trying to get through to us. To the church of Rome. Chapter 7 and verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that doeth it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil, which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. What a blight. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law. A law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? There is a divide here that we see in verse 19 where it begins really, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. A divided will, a divided heart. Do we not experience this in our daily Christian walk? Do we not experience this constantly in our waking moments and even the moments before we lay our head down to go to bed at night? The eye who does not do the good he wants to, but does the evil. And the eye that wants to do good, but not evil. Is this the experience of Paul the believer, do you wonder? Or could this be Paul the unbeliever? Christian or non-Christian? Do you think this is a morally awakened Paul, but not a spiritually converted Paul? Maybe the spiritually quickened, converted Paul, who is new and immature in his walk with Christ, or suppose this is the mature Paul in his Christian walk, but in a time of lapsed faith and vigilance. Where do you think Paul was trying to lead us? with this list of Scripture here? And what do you think he was trying to convey 
by saying all this. And the best way that we can do that is to go back and hit a quick highlight of what Paul has been saying all the way up to this point. In the book of Romans, if you read it, is about, you don't, you don't have to uh, mark all these scriptures because I'm just going to read through this real quick. But if you're taking notes, write them down. The book of Romans is about how sinful human beings are. Chapter 3, verse 9. How we have fallen short of God's glory. Chapter 3, verse 20. And dishonored Him with our lives. Chapter 1 and verse 21. And therefore, because of all that, we deserve His wrath. His very just and perfect wrath. Chapters 1, 32, and chapter 2, verse 5. And how are we made right with God? How we are justified on the basis of what Christ has done on the cross and with His life? By His death and by His resurrection. Chapter, 30, chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. Chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. And we will come back and look at some of those. But Paul has hit upon something which is human's main problem. Your main problem, my main problem, every person that's ever been born, ever will be born other than Jesus Christ, every human being's main problem. That problem being our sinful state before a thrice holy God who is just. Which means that... Every human being that has ever been born, ever will be born, and all of us that are here in this room this morning will answer to Him. He spoke creation into existence. He formed us from the dust of the ground. And He has seen everything that has transpired since day one to now and the days that will follow. What a big problem to have. The answer to this problem, again, is given in Romans. God Himself, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has provided a righteousness for us that is not our own, but it is reckoned to us by grace through faith alone. Romans chapter 4. Let's go over there and look at that. Romans chapter 4, in verses 5 and 6. It says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. It's very hard for us to separate our works with being unified with the goodness of God. Because we know who we are to a certain degree. God knows who we are inside out, upside down, backwards and forwards. Yet still, we can be unified with Him. This is the beauty of the Gospel. God provides a righteousness that is not ours. And He credits it through faith. That faith looks past your sin it looks past your inability to be able to accomplish the law and satisfy God. And it looks to Christ. It looks to a different way 
of, of justifying us and it trusts in Jesus Christ alone as the basis for God's crediting us with His perfect righteousness. Romans 10, verses 3 and 4, and you can go ahead and flip over there too. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. I know we're getting ahead of verse 7, but context sometimes can be found before and after. Chapter 10, verses 3 says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So we know that Paul tirelessly argued and pushed that salvation comes through faith alone in Christ alone. And there were people, when he says in Verse 23 of our, our scripture text, it says that there is a law that was warring amongst his members. Have you not heard it said that if you ask even some new believers, well, what do you need to do in order to be saved? You just got to try your best. You got to do your best. And at the end of it, God will know your heart. I can't judge your heart. Well, if you think this person over here is doing their best, but... They don't necessarily believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Do you think that they will make it? Well, that's not for me to say. I, I can't judge that person. But as long as they're doing their best. <clears throat> for Christ, in verse 4 says, is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone that believeth. So you have a group of people who were going about to establish their own righteousness. And then you have something else completely different. So what is the difference? Number one, submitting ourselves and to the righteousness of Jesus Christ versus establishing our own. The difference is, for those going about establishing their own righteousness, their righteousness is as filthy rags. My righteousness is as filthy rags. But the end of the law that condemns me is Jesus Christ for righteousness to the ones that believe. Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. Romans chapter 5 and verse 19 <clears throat> says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, I don't want you to think that I think that the law is bad. But when Jesus Christ was going back over the law, and he didn't just stop by reciting the law, says, well, I'm not a murderer. Well, have you hated someone? Yes, you have committed murder in your heart. Well, I've, I've never slept with another man's woman. Have you ever committed lust? I say that if you have committed lust, Jesus tells us what? That you have committed adultery in your heart. And He has hit on every single one of these topics and told us that even the sins in our hearts alone and in our minds 
are just as condemning as the sins that we do with our flesh. Because God doesn't just see flesh. He knows you inside and out. You can, you can come at me all day and I will not know your motives. I, I cannot see inside and tell you, this is Israel coming out in me, and tell you why you do what you do. God can. God can without any shadow of a doubt of knowing who you are and why you do what you do. Again, I say, when we hear that, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this death? That, that is misery that the heart sings in a very bad time when we realize, when we come to the point where we realize that there, our situation is hopeless aside from Christ and His accomplished work on the cross. He so obeyed the law. He so perfectly fulfilled the Father's wishes that just by the unity that we have by having faith in Him and being in union with Him, His righteousness becomes our righteousness. His obedience, the obedience where when he could have snapped his fingers and killed everyone who called him Beelzebub. He didn't. His obedience to carrying out the Father's will when he looked down and he could have called a league, a league of angels down to get him off of the cross and destroy everyone who was trying to rent the perfect, holy, spotless Lamb of God who had done nothing but perfect and good things. He was obedient to the Father's will. All the way up into the point that he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he gave up the ghost. He was obedient when he got the keys of life and death and rose again on the third day and didn't stop there. He was obedient. And do you know that that obedience, just by our unity in him through faith, is ours. His obedience has become my obedience. O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did. There is no hope outside of Him. It, it has to be His because only He can keep God's will perfectly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So, not only does His righteousness and His obedience become mine, but my sin becomes His. Do you know what He did with it? He cast it as far as the east is from the west. He has forgiven it to the uttermost and not just today. So, maybe what Paul was hinting at or trying to drive us to is saying, yes, 
There is an inner struggle. There is a divide. There is a divide of the, the, the new nature and the old nature, the, the new will and the old will. There is a divide. There is a sinfulness that never stops in us. And it made it easy for these people to be brought back under the old law because it's, man, it's just too good, right? It's scandalous. And just as sure as my sin held him to the cross, it is just as sure that his righteousness will resurrect me again. And that his righteousness can resurrect you again. Just as sure as he was raised, we will be raised. Justified by grace alone, through faith alone, standing on Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Looking from your own works to Christ, as your own works to Christ, as your only justifying righteousness and treasure of your life. So where does chapter 7 fit along the way in this? Paul, as we know, we spoke about earlier, passionately argued against justification by works of the law. Romans chapter 3, you can flip there, you can just read it up here behind us. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. It, it can't become more clear or be said more clear than, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Romans chapter 3 and verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Chapter 5 and verse 20. Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So, if you read through 7, you see the internal war that Paul was having with himself, and you see the war that he seen within the members of this church. Because they knew that they were wretched. And they knew that they had to answer to a holy God. And the things that they wanted to do, they didn't do. And the things that they needed to do, they didn't do. But all the stuff that they did not need to do, they did. And they failed before a holy and righteous God. So do we all. But as the sin reigns in our life, there is only one thread which we can hold on to. In which we can find satisfaction and peace and rest. And that is the gospel. The only hope that we can find in this life. Brother, you brought it up this morning. Talking about being satisfied in God. 
I heard a man say one time that he, God, is most satisfied in us when we are most satisfied in him. You may not be satisfied with everything going on in your life. You may not be sure that everything is going to be okay in your life in this moment. And friend, it might not be as far as everybody else might see it. But our hope is not in this life. It is in eternity. It is in true reality. Something that's on the other side of this veil that separates us from Him and trees and oxygen and the things that keep us alive here. It's something in a totally different realm. This life might fall apart. I might be living in a box next month with nothing to my name. And it changes not the fact that God is good. And He does all things for His honor and glory. And it does not change my stance in Him. Paul goes as far as to say that if you want to even bear fruit for God, or be sanctified as well as justified, you must die to the law. He says that in Romans chapter 7 and verse 4. So law-keeping is not the first and decisive way to bear fruit for God. If we do fulfill the law in any way whatsoever, it is only because we have died to the law and pursued obedience in a different manner or in a different way. And that other, the only other way to do that is being in unity with the risen Christ. Being in unity Lockstep with his righteousness, cloaked by his goodness. And in that place, if you are seeking to fulfill any part of the law whatsoever, remember this when you are in Christ, we stand completely forgiven and completely justified before God before we do anything to try and complete a work of the law because has already finished the work. He has already said it is finished. If we make any progress in law keeping at all, we are already forgiven and justified in that place in Jesus. So Romans chapter 7 verses 14 through 25, if you thought maybe what is the identity of this man? Is he lost? Is he saved? Is he Christian? Is he non-Christian? Is he immature? Is he mature? In any case, the misery of the man who cries, O oh, wretch that I am. It's caused by the indwelling of sin in his life, not the law. This is what, this is what Paul was pushing towards right here. Is that all these people are warring against themselves, saying, Well, we have to do we have to do good, we have to do righteous deeds, we have to do good things in order to stand in a good relationship with God. And he said, well, if that is the case, then the law is your enemy. You have become enemies to the law. But the law is not sinful. The law is not our enemy. Paul was pressing to this one point that our only hope is in God. And all of it is for His honor and glory. And the only way that He could get the most honor and glory from it is by Him completing it. By Him doing the work. 
the law is not sinful. The law is not poison to us. We are sinful. We are the problem. We are sinful, and our sin is deadly poison. When you turn to Christ for justification and sanctification, you honor the law. That is the best means for us to do anything that has to do with accomplishing the law. It's for us to turn to Christ. In any situation, at any crossroads that we meet to, is to turn to Christ for righteousness to all who believe and the fruit of love that is inspired by Jesus Christ, inspired by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, is a fulfillment of the law. Do those two things. Do that this morning. If you feel as though all your life you've been struggling between you and this other man, the man that, or the woman, that would do what you want to do, but you don't do it. Or you do what you don't want to do, and not what you wanted. Jesus Christ has already accomplished the work. Turn your eyes to Him. There's a beautiful song that says, one day that my faith will be made sight. The faith that is made sight is Christ. It is His finished work. It is everything that He is, everything that He has done. Brother, I'll turn it over to you.